Good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you very much for the invitation to uh, moderate this uh, excellent panel of experts in international capital markets. My name is Apostolos Gouginis. I'm a capital markets and finance partner at Milbank Tweed. And it's my pleasure to, to be presenting this panel. Uh, we are, the way that we have organized the the Q&A with our panelists uh, tries to follow a, a, a logical order. We're going to move from general conditions in international financial markets, global, regional, European, and we have um, people with the right perspectives on those issues. And then obviously uh, the same people as well as our, uh, our Greek panelists will give us their perspective on the access to capital markets for Greek companies, the Republic, financing conditions uh, in the country, etc. I, I do think that we have the right mix of perspectives here. Very quickly, I will introduce the panelists and then without much further, we'll dive right into, right into the discussion. Mr. Giulio Barata, the head of debt capital markets for BNP Paribas. Um, Mr. Philip Brown, managing director and global head for public sector fixed income origination for Citigroup. Mr. Kostadinos Vasiliou, Deputy CEO and Head of Corporate and Investment Banking for Eurobank. Mr. Vasilis Kochiras, Head of Funding Solutions and Structured Finance at the National Bank of Greece. Mr. Morven Jones, Head of Debt Capital Markets EMEA for Nomura. And last but not least, Mr. Dimitris Chakonas, the Chief Executive of the Public Debt Management Agency in Greece. Only an introductory thought for me just to set the scene for Julio, who is going to pick up on the global conditions for financial markets and to what extent the environment is conducive to uh, Greek companies and the sovereign. I, I would say epigrammatically from where I sit, uh, we do a lot of uh, leverage buyouts and refinancing debt rates and, 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 and corporate financings in London and New York. What we are seeing and on our day-to-day -day deal flow uh, Julio, in the last six months, I think um, seems to me that global financial conditions and markets are, are still accommodating, but uh, we do see pressures. Uh, terms for available capital seem to be tightened. Interest rates probably still quite favorable by historical standards, but they're rising. I think it's, it's a fair statement. And definitely emerging markets, I think, are showing signs of stress and diverging from financial conditions elsewhere. Uh, Well-known issues in trade, global trade, political uncertainty, I think are raising the risk profile. And then regarding Greece, we are, of course, have come out of the program and we are hopefully seeing a, a future without high fiscal deficits, quite the contrary. But as we all know, there are legacy issues that have not yet been uh, resolved uh, in the banking sector, uh, risk premia in capital markets, et cetera, compared to other comparable economies. I think Greek companies are still paying quite a premium to access the market. So, um, Julio, I think the, you get the first, the first uh, uh, opportunity to, to comment on, as a, on, on the global financial market conditions as a, as a leading DCM banker. How do you see the environment as, as we're going into 2019? Um, and uh, where do you think the markets are now and headed to in the, in the near term? 
Honor to start. Thank you very much, Apostles. Good morning, everyone. It's always a pleasure to be <coughs> here in the, in the panel. Um, how do I see financial markets? So where the status quo is? Clearly, clearly the assessment around macro challenges and the assessment around the various disturbances that are still there and will continue as we enter into 2019 have been discussed before from a macro perspective and also from a regional perspective. Uh, maybe later on we will also talk a little bit about the industrial perspective as also certain challenges per sectors have been making some markets a bit turbulent. But, but in general, uh, I think that as a, as, a, as a debt capital market bankers, our job is very much the one to certainly assess the condition, develop a macro view, which is more long-term market perspective. But at the very same time, our job is to be in close contact with investors and borrowers to effectively deliver in the short term a recommendation on how to best raise capital in any given condition. And in this perspective, uh, indeed, the last 12 to 18 months have restarted seeing volatility, have restarted to see inversion of, of trends, uh, which so far, um, borrowers in general and investors have navigated through. Um, I'm spinning it positive, but we have had issues in a sense that this is probably the first full year where certain fixed income asset classes for sure and equity obviously have lost money year on year. Uh, so we do have some challenges uh, out of especially investment-grade worlds that had not experienced losing money year on year in the U.S., for instance, for 10 years. Okay, so we do have some challenges in terms of the mood into which we enter in 2019 as clearly the equity correction in the market is now a bit more marked and will continue. The general decompression of yields in the fixed income markets, let's say core to peripheries or uh, defensive ratings into weaker ratings is there and will continue. There is a repricing in fact. And what this all means, again, from the perspective of a capital market uh, person advising access to markets so far, this has meant that um, the repricing or the, let's say, extra caution that traders and investors are applying to the environment has been a little more regular compared to other blips or potential, let's say, pre-crisis situations in the past. My view and our view is that uh, market has continued to be functional. Investors <coughs> have become more selective progressively, meaning as conditions worsen, as prices in general, is it equity prices or is it fixed income security prices going down and spreads going up, uh, investors have for the central part of the year continued to, um, to play even if uh, maybe asking for a little bit more of a buffer for entering into new positions. Activity has somehow worryingly slowed down a little bit more during Q4. Uh, we have less volumes. We are certainly in Europe assessing the general uh, unplugging of quantitative easing, but in the US also we are seeing similar type of corrections. We still believe that the orderly repricing is going to be the topic where we are going to enter into Q1 of 2019. And a lot of investors that have slowed down significantly the pace of activity in Q4 are still seeing the environment, an environment where they quote unquote can't afford simply stepping out 
but rather they will have to play and potentially play in a repriced market, meaning therefore entering at better pricing. So I'm trying to picture a, a, some sort of equilibrium, which it is definitely going to be our job again as we advise sovereign companies, sovereign companies in the financial institution and in the corporate space to, to tackle the market with some constructiveness. Uh, one element which is going to be key and which we will touch upon later on is how to approach the markets in terms of level of information, proximity, transparency that we need to support the investors with as we are navigating indeed also in 2019 in a field of, uh, of general uncertainty. Thank you, Giulio. Uh, Philip, uh, you're a public sector fixed income specialist. Um, obviously, you, you have a slightly different perspective for the, from the, the corporate financiers. What, what, is, what is your view on, the, on, on global financial conditions from, from, from your standpoint? And then more to our own neighborhood, if, if we, from, a, from a Greek perspective, our neighborhood is the Eurozone. From your perspective, financial conditions in the Eurozone and maybe a common <coughs> Italy and how the Italian situation may be uh, creating pressures that will be felt at the other end of the table where Mr. Tsakona sits. So I, th I think we'd like to understand your perspective um, uh, on all of that. Well, thank you. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. I remember uh, being here last year, 12 months ago, and, and the world looked fantastic, I think, uh, December a year ago. We just seen you know, Greek government bonds were some of the best performing instruments among European government bonds. And we, we, we just had two years of successive double-digit returns from uh, investing in, in, in Greek government bonds. We ended the year um, with, with the fantastic trade led by Demetrius uh, of the consolidation of the, of the government bond curve, which was hugely successful with, uh, you know, bond prices rallying 10 points or more uh, in December last year. And then we started uh, 2018 with a seven-year transaction uh, syndicated Greek government bond. That, that was a challenge. And uh, you know, I think it showed us that um, uh, the market was not yet ready to move back in, in, in good size into, into GGBs. And prices fell a little bit, but I think and you know, a part of that fall was a, a hangover from the euphoria of December when prices ro rose by 10, 12 points or more. We gave back three or four of those points in the beginning of this year. And the year has gone on generally in fixed income in Europe to be challenging. I think we, you know, we, we started the year really uh, with um, yields at their all-time lows. We had, uh, the, you know, the, the yield on the corporate, uh, Euro corporate IBOX uh, index was, uh, you know, negative 1.3%. Um, uh, sorry, sorry, it wasn't, <laughs> I, I misread my notes. It was plus one point, just 1.3% was the average corporate bond yield at the beginning of this year in, in the in European corporates. And, and we've ended the year with negative returns, as Julia has, has uh, spoken of. And, you know, corporate yields, are, on average today, 1.7% in the Euro IBOX. Um, that's the yield of the Euro IBOX index. Um, and we have this uh, quantitative easing uh, tapering, which is uh, 
having a significant impact on markets. We saw asset purchases from the ECB in 2017 of 123 billion euros. 2018, it's been just 42 billion. And next year, uh, we move to uh, just reinvestment. So I think this is having a, a significant um, impact on, on market sentiment. Uh, you know, we have um, seen a number of uh, credit events uh, taking place across the corporate world. We've seen, you know, General Electric in the UK, in the US, I'm sorry, downgraded uh, to sub-investment grade. Extraordinary events. Um, so I think we, we go into 2019 uh, with a lot of headwinds. It, it's, it's, it's challenging. And, you know, I think we are going to find it more difficult um, in, in European um, government bond markets generally compared to the last two years. We're, we're starting to anticipate now that the, uh, you know, the Fed is going to uh, slow down the rate of hikes. We, we expect one more <coughs> hike in December, and there may be only two further Fed hikes next year. You know, we, we already start to see on Fed funds futures um, the prospect of the Fed reaching uh, neutrality and, and potentially starting to cut again. And this could be in a scenario where the ECB ha has barely returned to zero interest rates. So I think investors start to think about how is the world, how, how is Europe and how is, how, how is the euro area going to cope with the next macroeconomic shock, which will surely come uh, at some point in the next, um, in the term of the next ECB presidency, let's say, in the term of the next European Parliament. I think we've got some interesting events to come. Of course, we've got Italy that we've spoken about. I think the, you know, the ECB in June 2019 is going to announce a replacement for Mario Draghi. I think the you know, peripheral markets have certainly got a lot to be thankful for uh, from the ECB. Um, so this is going to be another, another headwind. But I, I, I think the opportunity for Greece is, uh, as was spoken of in, in the last panel, that Greece is it's the highest yielding market in Europe. It's 100 basis points over Italy. Uh, you know, and I think we have potentially room for spread compression. I think the biggest challenge for Greek markets is really the deterioration of secondary market liquidity that we've seen during 2018. If I look back um, a year ago, we were seeing fairly substantial global investor interest in the Greek government bond market. And today, I think, you know, volatility has been the enemy of liquidity. And we've seen a substantial reduction in the number of investors who are participating. I think so long as we've had the, the volatility and the headwinds from Italy, I think investors have really uh, not been willing to focus on, on the substantially less liquid market um, than Greece. But I think you know, the opportunities for Greece then are if we can see a recovery in the banking sector. You know, I think one of the biggest stimuluses for a return to liquidity in Greek government bond markets would be to allow, if, if the European Commission would allow, lift the ceiling on the holdings of Greek government bonds for the Greek banks, and if we could start to see the Greek banks play a more significant role in the market again. You know, I think it was the, um, the recovery of uh, the, the government 
in, in, in Spain and Portugal and indeed Ireland helped to recapitalize the banking system. And it seems a pity to me that the, the Greek government, the Greek banks have been <coughs> so restricted from their participation in the GGB market. So I think the PDMA has had to rely very, very heavily on international investors. Uh, you know, and I think it would be a sign of confidence to international investors if the Greek banks and Greek investors themselves were able to play a more active role in the market. Um, you know, I think we, we will wait and see what happens with Italy. But I, I think you know, if we can see some of the structural reforms, if we can see growth from Greece, if we can see the recovery of the banking sector and the participation of the Greek banks in the GGB market, then I see no reason why GGB should not decouple from the volatility in Italy. And we can see some performance again in 2019. Thank you very much, uh, Philip. Now, Costas uh, Vasiliou, for those of you who don't know him, he, he runs the investment banking and corporate banking team at, uh, at Eurobank. And in, in many respects, he is you know, one of the leading banks in Greece. In many respects, he has a uh, very comprehensive perspective on financing conditions in, in Greece for corporates, for infrastructure, general liquidity in the financial system, the, the availability of capital for, uh, for uh, you know, big sectors of the, of the Greek economy. So, Costa, um, you know, I think for your comment, we really rely on that perspective so to give us a, a good view of financing conditions in the country for all of the above, you know, M&A, uh, corporates, infra, uh, SMEs and, and, and uh, the overall ability of, the, of the, the Greek economy to attract foreign capital, which is so, so much necessary. So if you can just walk us through your, your high-level thoughts, that would be appreciated. Okay. Uh, thank you, Apostolos. Uh, it's a pleasure being here. And uh, uh, thank you for... Uh, uh, and, okay. And thank you for uh, the kind uh, uh, introduction. Um, uh, we had uh, the chance uh, to, to discuss uh, this morning a little bit. Yanis Manuli, this is, is telling me to speak up. Okay, I'll do my best. Uh, so, and uh, the, there is uh, there is a lot of uh, question if there is uh, access and there is a debt and equity markets uh, down there. So I will try to be as practical uh, as uh, possible and uh, not uh, speak uh, theoretical. Uh, I will say that uh, the, the short answer is uh, yes. Uh, up to date, there is sufficient uh, capital, uh, both uh, debt and, uh, and equity, I would uh, dare to say, for uh, specific uh, sectors, such as uh, shipping, hospitality, energy, and uh, infrastructure. I, can, I cannot recall a single good project in these sectors during the last 24 months that we didn't manage to attract sufficient multiple demand, both on the equity and uh, the debt side. Companies in other sectors have access to capital markets and the banking sector too, but the appetite there is more selective. We've seen already, and there is an additional deal pipeline in sectors such as commercial real estate, healthcare, pharma, and uh, food uh, industry. Uh, Greek companies have the option to raise uh, equity and uh, debt, and, uh, debt, but um, equity, I will say, more internationally and uh, the pool of capital is not uh, unlimited and is primarily P, uh, private equity driven. On the debt uh, side, with a few notable exceptions, most Greek companies raise debt primarily 
domestically from the Greek banks and uh, from the Greek banks. Supranationals, though, such as EBRD, IFC, and the European Investment Bank play also a distinctive role in their effort to grow. Uh, there, are, there, there, is a lot, uh, there are a lot of questions if uh, Greek uh, banks uh, uh, do lend and uh, do their primary job, which is, uh, which is uh, lending, because there is a lot of discussions and uh, usually when we meet uh, investors, uh, uh, when we come to, uh, to, uh, to forums like these ones, everybody discuss uh, on the liability uh, side and uh, very much uh, we forgot uh, the primary uh, driver of uh, the banks uh, uh, to sustainably uh, survive in the future, which is uh, the asset uh, uh, side and the lending uh, side. Uh, I, I will say and, uh, that the clear and the undisputable answer is yes on that uh, front. Uh, in line with my first uh, uh, observation, I cannot recall a single good project in Greece, regardless of the capital needed, which was not underwritten by the Greek uh, banks. Notable recent uh, examples we said to be practical, uh, for example, uh, the Athens International Airport, which was mentioned, uh, extension, financing of uh, Euro 665 uh, million euros, attracted uh, two fully underwritten offers by two different uh, group of uh, banks. This uh, acquisition, 350 million uh, euros uh, financing, uh, four fully underwritten uh, offers uh, by the four uh, Greek banks. Uh, on the renewable sector, uh, we just completed uh, solely a fully underwritten uh, deal for Total RN, a renewables portfolio for 220 million uh, transaction that we successfully under, under, uh, that we successfully syndicated. On the hospitality sector, Sunny transaction, 300 million, the largest uh, financing ever took place, uh, place uh, in Greece fully underwritten by Eurobank, successfully syndicated. Uh, CVC's recent acquisition on the healthcare sector, the acquisition financing solely underwritten on bilateral basis by Eurobank. I can go on and on. These, only these uh, six uh, projects uh, totaled uh, Euro uh, 2 billion. Uh, I will dare to say, and I will close with that uh, uh, in, uh, in this observation, that the Greek banking system currently faces an issue of lacking uh, demand rather than uh, appetite to supply capital. Well, that's, a, that's a very good me message, uh, uh, Costa. Thank you very much. Um, I think, and, and you'll excuse me for uh, insisting on the, on the, for the with my ne next question with Vasilis on the liability side for only for, for a moment of the, of the Greek banks. Uh, Vasilis heads, uh, for those of you who don't know him, uh, heads the, the funding solution uh, team at uh, National Bank of Greece, basically responsible for financing the bank outside retail deposits. Uh, Vasilia, for you, the, as, as we were discussing about the, the topic for this, uh, for this event, we, you know, National Bank of Greece was obviously one of the first, if not the first one, to access the covered bond market. Last year, uh, a significant transaction, if one considers that until that point in time, ELA was, was perhaps the only, the only source of available liquidity. Covered bonds are a form of senior secured lending but still were were placed in the international markets a very a very you know a momentous transaction for the greek banking system and maybe if, if you can just give us a little bit of background uh, uh, about the circumstances of the deal how you know the investor sentiment how you went about sort of cracking through that that market and opening that market for the greek financial institutions that's that's very important thank you very much Abosolos. i'm very happy to be here today okay so in my view, it seems a little bit uh, 
that it is a history, these transactions, that they took place at the end of 2017 and the beginning of 2018 by Alpha Bank. Uh, what it has been proven, though, it was that uh, it was one of the best performing asset classes in Europe. The performance of the Greek cover bonds, because we started with a single B rating, and right now they are rated at triple B minus, they managed to expand our investor base, and that's expansion of the investor base to more real money investors, uh, created a, a big tightening on their yields. But going forward and exiting the ELA, as we have done, and all the Greek banks are very close to do so, there is a whole different environment about the funding compared to the one we experienced the last three years, because we say that it was difficult years, but we had capital controls, we had uh, a deleverage on the economy, and we didn't have to comply with the regulatory um, requirements uh, by the European Union and ECB. So exiting and trying to become European normal banks, we need to find the resources to finance the economy, expand our balance sheet, and also meet EMRL requirements, uh, LCR requirements, NSFI requirements, all these things that we didn't know at the past, and it's very challenging how to meet them. So cover bonds, in my view, from now on, they are going to become a very difficult asset on how to handle it, because by becoming investment grade, it can be eligible for ECB as well. So there is also another buyer, let's call it, that it is EB on the MRO. And potentially, if the LTRO is being expanded, that will be the only asset uh, that Greek banks will have available to place. So I'm not sure whether we will be a, it will be on our benefit to continue with cover bond placements, but definitely so far it has worked very well to our um, balance it. Thank you, Vasilia. Um, Morvan, I think, welcome to the panel. I think it's your first time, uh, if I remember correctly, the last few years on, on, on yep. this event. You're, you're obviously a, a bond expert at, at Nomura. Um, uh, allow me to say that sort of, I, I'm also a little bit of a bond expert. So and looking into the, the market the last, few, the last few months, the European market, I must say that I have never seen so many uh, corporate bond issuers trade significantly below par. Uh, there's probably 30, 35 names that I follow in the high yield market, and we're seeing the last few, the last few weeks and months, corporate earnings and EBITDA disclosures showing material weaknesses, and and a lot of, a lot of deals are going into uh, some sort of liability management or restructuring mode, and and certainly yields on sub-investment grade issuers are rising. Uh, it certainly seems to me that more of a broader phenomenon, Italian issuers, Spanish issuers, even French issuers, and some UK issuers. Give us your perspective. What's happening in the European corporate bond markets, and um, how is this uh, tightening environment affecting the prospects of Greek issuers? I would, I would just note for the benefit of our, of our audience that uh, we haven't seen much uh, corporate bond issuance this year in the international market. Certainly, it's a stark contrast to 2013 and 2014, where there was, there was plenty. Um, so please, please give us your view and, and the, the Nomura view on, on the corporate bond market in Europe and how it affects Greeks. Very good. Thank you very much. 
Um, hopefully you can hear me okay. Um, and I'm delighted to be, uh, to be joining the panel for the first time. Um, thank you very much. So um, perhaps before answering the questions to what's, you know, what, what's the reason behind uh, the things you were talking about, maybe just to talk about some, some, some numbers first uh, without, without providing too many stats. So if we look at the performance of the, of the overall investment grade bond, corporate bond markets this year, if you look to the performance up until October, um, the market uh, indices were down about 0.8%. If you included November, which was a particularly bad month, the year-to-date performance was down 1.5%. So it was a very big chunk of underperformance uh, registered in, um, in November. Um, if you look at the high-yield market, the story is similar. Um, up until October, the uh, indices were returning about negative 1.3%, but that jumped to negative 3.2% if you uh, include uh, November. Um, if you look at the uh, financials, you look at the uh, uh, tier one capital, the so-called uh, COCO contingent capital index, that is down 5% year to date. So um, on the face of it, it, it has not been a good year for, uh, for the uh, bond investor. And I think um, certainly given the low level of activity uh, that you're seeing in December to date, uh, most of the investors want the year to finish as soon as, as, soon as possible. Um, uh, I think um, on high yield specifically, uh, we have a situation at the moment where I think uh, high yield spreads are actually wider in Europe than they are in the, um, in the US. Um, I think there are some specific reasons as to why that has occurred with the addition of new issuers joining the market at, the, at, at much wider spreads, um, some leaving the index at tighter spreads. Um, and of course, as been mentioned before, um, uh, you know, there are some pressures on earnings uh, as well, which is, uh, which is making investors nervous. I think it's also worth pointing out that um, within Europe, and I think this is a theme for uh, Greece in general, um, but looking at the high yield index, 15% uh, of the issues in the index were Italian. Obviously, Italy has had its own issues this year, uh, which has had some contamination effect with some of the other, uh, which, with some of the other uh, markets. Um, looking specifically at Greek corporates, um, it is true, again, um, that, that spreads have widened, whether you look at motor oil, you look at Titan, uh, you look at OT, obviously Intralot is, is perhaps a special case which I won't, I won't touch on, um, but the, those have, uh, certainly motor oil and Titan have enjoyed uh, wider spreads, which is pretty much in line with the market. OT actually has tightened year on year. Um, but I think that, that it's important to put things in context, and even at these wider levels, motor oil is trading just inside 3%. Uh, Titan just over 3%, OT just inside 2%. So we can get very excited around wider spreads and, 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 and market being very challenging, but the fact is that these are very, very low levels of, uh, of financing cost. So, um, you know, what is, what is specifically going on? And I think some of the uh, points have been mentioned already, but just to go through uh, what I think is probably the key laundry list at the moment, um, obviously growth is slowing uh, generally, um, the U.S. has clearly been leading the way um, in the growth revival. Uh, I think in the second part of the year, questions are now being raised as to really whether the U.S. Uh, growth is going to be sustained, and I think most people are uh, perhaps more negative next year than they, uh, than they were. Euro area, obviously, is slowing as well. Um, so you have you know, a, a slower um, economic, uh, economic backdrop underpinning the, uh, the markets. Uh, the other point, I think, is that we have tighter monetary policy, uh, whether it's due to uh, the rate hikes that we've seen, particularly in the U.S., or has been mentioned earlier, uh, whether it's due to tapering by 
the, um, the ECB. And I think it is fair to say that, um, you know, I, I think the, the markets are undergoing a level of normalization. I think we have to look at the last uh, 10 years since the crisis as abnormal uh, rather than normal. And so as the monetary stimulus is being gradually removed, um, the, uh, the market focus, I think, has to shift from uh, support from central banks uh, back to fundamentals. And that, and that inevitably is going to mean that uh, we're in for something of a bumpy uh, ride. Um, also, uh, inflation obviously is, uh, is a bit of a worry at the moment, lower growth. There is some worry on wage pressures now beginning to, uh, to come through, uh, which again could be a, a bit of a headwind. And I think latterly, um, as far as the European market is concerned, um, you have quite a lot of geopolitical factors, whether it's the rise of, of populism, as you're seeing particularly in, um, in the UK uh, and in Italy, uh, focus on EU reform, German leadership, ECB uh, leadership, um, and of course, uh, Italy has been, um, has, has been a major focus for the market uh, as well. So I, th I think that all these things together are uh, beginning to unsettle bond investors, which is why you've, you've seen, uh, I think, the, uh, the difficult market so far. The last point I would say, just to, to, to finish on a, on a more positive note, um, whilst it has been a difficult back end of the year, um, there is an argument that these much wider and cheaper uh, valuations that we're seeing that actually the beginning of the new calendar year could see a good entry point uh, to start returning to the market. Thank you. Thank you very much for that very comprehensive view. Um, last but not least on this uh, first round of, of questions, Mr. Chakonas, who, who runs the, the Public Debt Management Agency in Greece. Warm congratulations. I think you picked up an award recently as the Sovereign Risk Manager of the Year. That, that notwithstanding, I don't think any of us would like to be in your shoes, sort of managing, managing the country's debt stock. Um, uh, and we really uh, have a, an open-ended question for you. I mean, obviously, we're all incredibly keen to, to understand sort of 2019, the philosophy of, of, of the PDMA, how you're going to go about sort of managing your, your, um, your obligations and, and, uh, uh, and the, uh, you know, refinancing the, the overall access of the, of the sovereign to the international markets in the, in the medium term. If you can walk us through all of that, and, and perhaps uh, a comment or two as to you know, what in your view needs to happen for the risk premium that we still observe between, between Greece and the comparable sovereign debt securities of other similar European economies for that to, to go down and make everything, everything sort of a bit more normal again. So the, the floor is yours, Mr. Chakona. Thank you very much. <coughs> Thank you all. Thank you uh, precisely for your kind uh, words. Yanis told me. Yeah. Indeed, <coughs> we recently took this, uh, <coughs> received this award from the Risk.net Risk Magazine as a Sovereign Risk Manager of the Year, the PDMA mean. Um, this uh, uh, award deserves to be given to the Greek state, to its institutions, uh, to uh, the Greek citizen also, and the two, mainly to the Greek taxpayers, and uh, not only to the Greek ta taxpayers, but also to the European taxpayers, taking into account that uh, uh, we have received since 2009-2010 a lot of solidarity coming from European uh, uh, taxpayers, uh, bear in mind the three uh, fiscal adjustment programs and also the uh, three uh, loan agreements that we have in place. Uh, 
And um, indeed, this also deserves to be given to my colleagues and to my predecessors. Now, as far as your question is concerned, uh, we did a lot uh, so far, and let me uh, put some numbers in front of you. We have right now 34 billion, close to 34 billion cash reserves. We have managed so far to uh, be, to have, let's say, an integrated and under a holistic approach, cash management, not only for the cash reserves of the Hellenic public of the Greek state, but also of what we call general government, uh, general government entities. You should bear in mind that we have 1,800 general government entities. You can uh, imagine how difficult it is to put everybody under the same umbrella, supervisory umbrella, which is the Ministry of Finance and the PDMA. As I mentioned before, right now we have close to 34 billion that are immediately available for the needs of the Hellenic Republic. And under extremely, extremely conservative circumstances, this number, this amount, fully covers our gross, fin gross financing needs for the next, for the upcoming four years, i.e. till 2022. If you bear in mind also that we have almost 7.5 billion, again, cash reserves of uh, the uh, general government entities out there, i.e. in the Greek banking system, but we don't want for the timing to touch them because we don't want to jeopardize the, or to create obstacles as far as the liquidity of the Greek banking system is concerned, you can imagine that we are fully covered for more years. But in any case, let's be focused on the baseline scenario that I've just mentioned. That means that we, that, ah, on, on the other side, let me describe, let me give you in uh, numbers the, uh, the portfolio, the Greek debt portfolio in terms of its risks risk metrics. The weighted average maturity of the Greek debt portfolio is currently close to 19 years, 1.9, and after the implementation of uh, the extension of the, of the medium and long-term measures, i.e. the extension by 10 years of the master FAFA close to 100 billion euros loan coming from EFSF, this will reach the weighted average maturity of our total debt portfolio will, will reach the 23 years. The interest rate exposure, but before saying this, let me say that the effective cost, servicing cost, cost of funding, let's say, servicing cost, to be honest, uh, of the Hellenic public right now, the Greek state is 1.7%. 1.7% multiplied by the outstanding amount of debt gives you something close to 3% of GDP as interest payments is far below the other Eurozone peers, which is close to 3.5, 3.6, and even 4%. All this to say that we have a very small, very small, compared to the GDP, I mean, and to the other Eurozone peers, very low interest payments for the upcoming years and for a long period of time. And this brings me to the following, that uh, the interest rate exposure of the Greek public debt portfolio is uh, in terms of uh, the floating uh, element is close in the, in the end of this year, it will be close to 10%. And uh, the time to net refixing, the weight average time, time to net refixing will be close to 13 years. All this to say that for the upcoming, effectively for the upcoming years, we do not face any risk of uh, uh, rising interest rates as far as the outstanding amount of our total debt is concerned. Now, 
the FX exposure has been almost eliminated. The only FX exposure that we have is just the uh, uh, loans coming from IMF that 50% of them has already been uh, hedged, i.e. if we take into account that we, our intention at least, but after consultation and after, uh, let's say, the permission of uh, uh, the European institutions, our intention is to buy back part of the most expensive part of the IMF loans. Let me give you the information that we have the outstanding amount of IMLF, uh, IMF loans is circa 10 billion in euros, I mean, right now. Five billion, the last five billion of them costs a lot due to the step-up feature that all these loans have, i.e. close to 4.9%, which is uh, the three-month, uh, if I remember well, SDR rate, plus uh, some hundreds of basis points. Now, taking all this into account, and taking also the, 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 the fact that we have 34 billion uh, uh, cash reserves that fully covers our funding needs for the upcoming four years, we have the luxury to wait. To wait what? To wait and to face the turbulence coming from, and the volatility coming from, uh, let's say, unexpected events in the near future or in the medium term. Let me give you some risks that have been, uh, have been already described by uh, uh, the other uh, speakers. Brexit, Italian case, European elections, the trade war between uh, uh, the US and, and China. To be honest, I would prefer to be in our shoes, I in the Greek uh, states uh, and uh, the, the Greek public debt management agency shoes, in, in such a, a volatility that will come, definitely, having the luxury to wait. But on the other side, we do want to have access to the capital markets, not because we need the money, but because we want to provide liquid benchmark issues to keep established our uh, uh, yield curve in order to help also, in our turn, the Greek banks to have access to the capital markets, etc., and the whole Greek economy. This is our intention, this is our target. Indeed, we have our plans, as, as I mentioned before. For the first time after nine consecutive years, we had all this, we call it beauty contest, let's say, having all these primary dealers, our group uh, of banks that help us and uh, are in close cooperation with us in order to have access to the capital markets, to hedge our interest rate exposure, FX exposure, etc. We have all these beauty contests and we finalized. We, have, we had a very useful thoughts coming from uh, these professionals and uh, we are going to use all of them in order to uh, design our future, especially for the 2019 year. And especially for the funding program and for the portfolio man management program too. As far as the funding program is concerned, as I mentioned before, we don't need the money, therefore, take into account the primary surplus under extremely conservative circumstances and returns of uh, S&P and Alpha profits, privatizations, proceeds, etc., etc. We are going to have access to the capital markets for amounts that will be far lower than the amortizations, i.e., you can visit our website, you will find uh, uh, the numbers. Uh, our website is the most transparent, I think, uh, across <laughs> the universe, but please, Please visit it in order to find everything. That means that we will have, or at least this is our intention, to have one, even two, 
it depends on the market conditions, uh, uh, bond issuances in the upcoming year or years. As I mentioned before, to provide liquid benchmark issues to keep established the, uh, a, a liquid uh, uh, yield curve. We are going to provide with uh, supply the, the what we call tradable debt of Greece, because you should bear in mind also that the tradable debt of Greece right now stands at the amount of 50 billion, out of which 12 uh, are held by, uh, by ECB, is, uh, are the S&P and AFA bonds. Uh, 7.2 billion, if I remember well, belongs to or are held by the Greek banks. 10 billion are held by uh, social security funds. Therefore, effectively, the, 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 the tradable debt is close to 20 to 30 billion. And this, may, this brings me to the following. What we have faced so far, as far as the spreads is concerned, etc. I, I don't want to, um, to, ha to, to, to have a political, let's say, discussion here. I want to be focused on, on technical issues. It's, it has to do mainly with the lack of liquidity. If we should put one target, one ultimate target to be achieved, one mission to be accomplished in the upcoming years, and especially 2019, is liquidity. We need to provide liquidity. We need to, to increase liquidity in our secondary market. We need to reestablish a repo market. On the other side, we need to provide liquidity by issuing uh, uh, benchmark issues. But we know, we definitely know, you know, we are fanatic users of common sense. We are not messiahs here. But indeed, we know that we want to have access, to, we should have access to the capital market providing liquid benchmark issues, but gradually. Perhaps in small amounts, it depends on market conditions. We know that we are standing right now at the so-called no man's land. We are not triple B issuer, i.e. a real money investor that wants to invest in Greek government securities uh, and can afford, let's say, for a 10-year maturity, three or even lower yield, will not participate, will not uh, be part of, of this game. On the other side, we, are not, uh, we do not have the willingness to pay a lot for a hedge fund that wants uh, a high yield, long duration, etc. That means that, and this brings us to go very gradually, very carefully, in order to design our future plan, our future funding plan, and to have access to the capital markets. In order to create, to, to, to increase the secondary market liquidity, we are going to incentivize furthermore our primary dealers. We have changed a little bit uh, the primary dealers' uh, rules. And uh, on the other side, we have raised this issue as far as the increase of the GGB holdings of the Greek banks. This will not happen, let's say, in a minute or in a month's time, but this is an issue that should be resolved at, at a certain point of time. Liquidity is the key issue for us, and it's a chicken and egg problem. Indeed, we, did, we, do, we, need, indeed we do have to, uh, to, to have access to capital markets. On the other side, in order to provide liquidity, on the other side, we need to, the, the liquidity in order to have access to capital markets. Last but not least for my, uh, for my position, I think that uh, Greek government securities is a unique opportunity for investment. Why am I telling so? We have seen the worst. 
we are not in QE. We do not have the Greek banks to play their natural role as, uh, as uh, market makers due to the imposition of a ceiling in their holdings. I'm trying to uh, understand why we should pay 250 basis points above a spe uh, specific country, uh, Eurozone peer, etc., etc. What I'm trying to say is the following. The QE is in front of us, or, you know, gradually will be eliminated. We have seen the worst. The best is yet to come. In a year's time, in two years' time, I'm trying to say that I, I'm not trying to say that the Greek government bonds will be appreciated, but perhaps the others will be depreciated due to the risks that I've just mentioned. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chakoda. I think uh, you probably uh, allowed you a bit more, but everybody will agree that it's important to hear the, the sovereign debt perspective and the PDMA perspective. So uh, I think you provide a very comprehensive view of that. We are probably under the very strict watch of the of the clock. Uh, I, we have maybe three minutes, uh, and I want to perhaps give an opportunity to the audience to ask a question. Yes. Yes, please. Unfortunately, I'm not the competent authority in order to make any comment on this. I mentioned uh, that uh, we need uh, to establish a yield uh, curve or to, to, to keep established the current yield curve, providing liquid benchmark issues, providing liquidity. I was referring to the Greek government bond securities market. You're welcome. Maybe, uh, uh, if there are no other questions from the audience, I, I'll, I'll use my privileges as the, or, as the moderator to ask a couple of questions, perhaps epigrammatically, though, maybe one, one minute per person. And maybe I'll, I'll, start, I'll start with you, Kostas. Uh, the, we haven't seen this year any major uh, IPOs or international euro bonds. Uh, from a practitioner's perspective and from your market perspective, is 2019 going to be a bit better? for uh, in, uh, ac you know, activity in the Greek capital markets? Um, it's very difficult to answer in a minute uh, because uh, your, your diagnosis actually is overall uh, uh, correct that we haven't seen tremendous activity in 2018, but uh, it's important to understand uh, the reasons uh, uh, behind, uh, behind that. But uh, because we don't have time, uh, I will say for 2019, uh, 2019, Pipeline is uh, good in, uh, in a great extent, uh, also because of the reasons that uh, some of the issues didn't materialize in 2018. Uh, however, uh, we, have to, we have to admit that uh, 2019 is a very particular uh, year for Greece due to the upcoming uh, elections, which uh, for a country with uh, our characteristics add to the already material uh, volatility. I will name a few factors which will affect uh, this area, uh, that uh, part of it actually affected uh, the 2018 issuance. Uh, first of all, uh, the obvious one, global markets uh, performance and sentiment uh, 
uh, of course, always uh, affects uh, Greece. Uh, second, the successful tapping of the markets by the government. As you are aware, Apostolos, in Greece, uh, uh, there is a great uh, paradox, uh, as opposed to the other uh, developed markets where the state first has relatively unlimited access to debt capital uh, markets and financial institutions uh, are falling, and then corporates uh, complete uh, the pecking order. In Greece, uh, following the crisis, the other way around. So I believe that uh, it is uh, crucially important to re-establish the order, and accordingly, this is essential for the state successfully tapping uh, the markets within 2019 to be followed by the banks. And uh, I gladly observed uh, uh, Philip feeling uh, relatively optimistic on that uh, front, and also uh, Dimitris present a very concrete uh, plan on that direction. Finally, and I will close with that, corporate, uh, corporate governance and transparency issues for uh, corporates will be further addressed. Recent incidents with a couple of listed companies in Greece and internationally did not help uh, in that uh, direction. And we will take uh, initiatives as the Greek banking sector towards this uh, direction. Thank you. Th thank you, Costa. So I'll, I'll ask the same rather provocative question to each of our international panelists, non-Greek panelists. Uh, maybe you can give us your your 30-second reaction, starting with Julia, then, then Philip, then Morvan. Uh, you guys are speaking to your clients all over Europe. You are speaking to investors. You're speaking to market participants in the capital markets ecosystem. Is the sentiment around Greece changing? Are people still regarding Greek risk as a, as a bit of an issue only for those with a stomach to do it? Or are we, is the, is the financing conditions of the country normalizing maybe a 30-second uh, view from each of our non-Greek panelists. Sentiment is changing in a sense that the clarity and the consistency of the message, as it has been also reiterated by the PDMA, you need to appreciate that it's starting to become almost unique, at least when it comes to core and southern Europe in terms of the straight messages of uh, fiscal policies and relationship with central European government at this stage. I'm Italian, you know what I mean. and. You know how much investors don't like lack of consistency and surprises, especially in a general environment as the one it is now. Corporates, different story. Corporates, again, and even more, uh, there's no ugly duckling here for being a Greek corporate. It's solid corporations that have good businesses internationalized with a meaning to exist. They get the financing, as it has been also reiterated by Costas earlier. Uh, but also by investors. If I have a frustration with corporates in Europe for the past cycle, if you like, is that this intermediation and diversification of funding sources has not gone through as much as I would have hoped to see. The European corporate system of large caps and small caps is still too reliant on domestic funding through the bank markets. If they have been helped through ECB policies, the reason you talk about the third TLTRO, which may help again, but we are probably too much over relying on the same medicine and same solution all the time, as opposed to a cultural change. Thank you. Philip. I think, uh, you know, the, what we heard from Dimitris is impressive, that Greece is, um, you know, su such a sub-investment grade country with a double A cost of funding. The, the debt service costs are so low the amount of debt outstanding is very, very small in private sector hands. I think uh, in some ways, uh, you know, the ESM and the European system is, is somehow now subordinate to private sector investors. I think private sector investors have taken their pain. I think Greece is very well established in the Euro area. Europe has demonstrated its commitment to Greece. Uh, and so 
with these yields of 4.5% on the 10-year bond, I think there's every room for compression. Uh, you know, our strategists are thinking, uh, you know, we, we have the 10-year bund today at 25 basis points. Uh, you know, we, we could see that go to zero in, in rarity value, or we could see it on tapering move up to 80 basis points is what our strategists are suggesting. So, you know, we're going to see negative returns next year in, in core Europe. And I think Greece has got all of the fundamental characteristics to give you some optimism that we could see some spread compression. We just want to see this return to what Dimitris discussed, the liquidity. We want more uh, active participants in the market, and that includes the domestic participants. Morin? Yeah, I think my, my, uh, my, my, my comments would, would be that if you, you, know, if, if you um, look at Greece really relative to virtually every other country in, um, in, in Europe, uh, there, is, there is arguably more upside. Obviously, uh, other panelists discuss the sort of to-do list uh, within the country. You have to get your mind around that and decide if, if the country is going to be successful in, um, in working through it. Certainly, uh, performance so far suggests that it will be successful. Uh, and therefore, from, from our perspective, there is a lot of upside, whether you look at the performance of, of Greek government bonds, which was outlined earlier, or whether you look at uh, the banking system or the, uh, the corporates. Uh, the fundamentals are very good. Um, obviously, there may be some headwinds more broadly, but uh, everybody is facing that. But I would say that Greece is certainly uh, set for uh, some relative outperformance compared with uh, compared with its broader peers. Vasilia, uh, uh, the last question for you. Uh, not an easy question, but I don't know if you can compress it in the answer in 30 seconds. We obviously haven't seen yet uh, senior notes and secured issuance uh, by a, a Greek bank. That will be, if you like, maybe the last bastion of normality to be cracked through. What what is what is your view on when we're going to see that and the conditions for that, the preconditions for that? This is definitely the case, and uh, this correctly pointed that uh, unless we exit the market to the unsecured debt or tier two or other subordinated issues, we haven't fully normalized our funding sources. I think that the preconditions are very simple. The investors should feel that they are buying more debt instrument rather than an equity instrument. And so that's why you need to have a very convincing story about how you will eliminate the risk of the MPs how you will increase and enhance your profitability and reduce your operational expenses so that you can have a stronger bottom line. And all these things, unfortunately, need to happen in a very, very prompt time and very quickly. I think that all the Greek banks with different approaches are managing that. The initiative, for example, of uh, Eurobank uh, lately to go to a share capital increase but spinning off its uh, NPS uh, issues will create it will be a definitely created positive event and will open up the world for senior unsecured. For the other banks, all of us were preparing our business plans for the next years. So um, I think that uh, by 2019, at the end of it or beginning of 2020, all the mar banks will start exiting the market in order to build up the MRL uh, buckets. Thank you. Well, Nico, although we don't win a prize for keeping to the time, I think we probably covered quite a bit of content. Can you please give a round of applause for our panelists?